Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It's an honor to be with you today. I want you to come with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to um, uh, tell you the, the title. But let's, let's start in the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says this. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. One more time. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Before I introduce the title, I just, just want you to just let those words uh, permeate. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. That means right now, if the power of darkness has any hold, has any grip, has any claim over your life, it's illegitimate. It's illegitimate. You don't have to live under, well, the devil passed, or the devil's been beating me up over here. You don't have to live under bondage under fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, lack, struggle. Because the Bible says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Let me, let me prophesy. Let me prophesy. As you hear the preaching and the teaching in this word, Every single week, this is what's going to happen. Your life, people will look at your life and say, my, 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 what, what has happened in your life? Because your life will begin to reflect the kingdom that you are now in. Your life used to reflect the kingdom of darkness full of drugs and alcohol and bondage and struggle and lack and fear and sin and selfishness. But all of a sudden now people are going to say, my God, the joy that you have, the peace that you have, the prosperity that you have, the power that you have, the favor that you have, the anointing that you have. Where did you get that? It's I'm just a beneficiary of the kingdom that I've been in. So the title of my message today is The Deliverer. The Deliverer. I want you to know that God is a greater deliverer than Amazon. Now, I got to be honest, I don't like Jeff Bezos, but I love Amazon. When I was a kid, when I was a kid growing up, DJ, uh, we didn't have cell phones, but when I was a kid, if you wanted something, if you wanted a pair of, you know, cool kicks, a pair of cool shoes, or, you know, something that you saw in a department store, you had to wait till your birthday or Christmas before it would arrive in a box with your name on it. But now, Amazon, you can kind of go online, oh, I like that. And then a few days later, it turns up at your door in a box. I feel like I'm cheating. I feel like I know it's not my birthday and I know it's not Christmas, but okay. Now, how many people know that, that when you go online and you shop on Amazon, 
whatever you see, you pay for it. And then Amazon doesn't say, you know, a week later where you're like, hey, um, yeah, I ordered a pair of shoes and <laughs> I haven't showed up. Well, you know, we've done our bit. We, you know, we dispatched it. We don't know what happened to the, the Amazon driver. We, we don't know which address they dropped it off. How many people know that it's, if, if it doesn't arrive, you get your money back, you get a refund or they reissue the order because you paid for it. So, so Amazon says that the transaction, the process is complete only when it's delivered out of the warehouse, out of the store, and into your possession, into your home, into your hands. If it doesn't make it into, the delivery process is incomplete. Jesus paid, paid in full for your deliverance, for your delivery out of. He didn't just deliver you out of the kingdom of darkness. He didn't just deliver you out of poverty, out of lack, out of fear, out of struggle, out of addiction, out of anxiety, out of hopelessness. He didn't just deliver you out of... Jesus is greater than Amazon. The Bible says he has delivered us out of, but he has also conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. I want you to know today that God is not a God who just got them out of Egypt and then just says, well, good luck, y'all. Knock on wood. Hope you guys make it. Cross your fingers. Get yourself a little rabbit's foot for good luck. Come on, how many people know that little rabbit's foot didn't help the rabbit? It's a little three-legged rabbit running around. Going, what happened to my foot? And someone's wearing it as a lucky charm. How could it? And it didn't help. You don't need a rabbit's foot. You don't need to knock on wood. There's an anointing. There's a power that is available in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work will be faithful, will be faithful, will be faithful. Yeah, but I wasn't always faithful. But he will be faithful. Yeah, but if I'm unfaithful, he's going to be unfaithful. Uh-uh-uh. The Bible says if you deny him, he'll deny you. If you disown him, he'll disown you. If you are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. In other words, God is faithful because he is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is perfect in morality. All morality, all virtue comes from God. And the story of the Bible and the story of my life, my life is a reflection. He has always been faithful. Sadly, I haven't. He has always been devoted. Sadly, I have. He has always been for me. There have been times where I've been for myself at the expense of the story of Israel. The story of my life is he remains faithful even when we're not because he made a commitment. The children of Israel, they were grumbling, whining, complaining. Oh, my God. Many times God wanted to wipe, and Moses had to intercede, and God's like, all right. And, uh, but he turned up for 40 years in the wilderness. He turned up supplying manna, supplying quail. I mean, they, they, they hungered for meat. And God's like, well, let's get them something exotic. So he brings in quail, darling. What's on the menu tonight, quail? 
you've got to go to a posh restaurant to eat quail. And he brings quail in, water out of a rock, you know, manna coming down every day like coriander seed and honey and wafers. It's like, it's like what the, what kind of, the Bible says that the, 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 the ground produced honey and the rock produced wine, or it might be the other way around, the ground produced, well, hang on, ground doesn't produce and rocks don't produce honey. But God did something supernatural in the Old Testament where for 40 years he in a desert supplied for them because God didn't just get them out of Egypt. It, it wasn't finished getting them out of Egypt. The, the process wasn't finished until he got them into the promised land. Let me just say this to you, that God got you out of the devil's kingdom when you were born again. I got saved January 1986. I was out of the kingdom of darkness. But God didn't just get me out of. He's committed to getting you into. So let me give you three quick points. And I believe I can get through it a second time. In Jesus' name. Oh, my gosh. Clock is ticking. That clock is demonic. All right, here we go. Number one is perpetual, not eventful. Perpetual, not eventful. The deliverance of God is perpetual. The word perpetual just means ongoing continuous. It's not eventful. It's not an event. It's not, well, you know, back in 1986, I gave my heart to the Lord and the good Lord delivered me from drugs. He delivered me from addiction. He delivered me from God. I was going to hell. Now I'm going to hell. I don't know why I do a Southern accent with that, but it's kind of, you know, the Bible belt kind of thing. So he, he delivered me. Pastor, for 37 years, I've been walking with Jesus. Pray the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm really nervous when I hear people and their only testimony is that. Because if I was honest with you, I got saved, I got delivered in 1986 out of the kingdom of darkness and conveyed to the kingdom of the son of his love. I was now born again in heaven's kingdom with everlasting life, eternal life, living forever. But that wasn't the last moment that God delivered me. He delivered me from fear of man and delivered me into the fear of God. He delivered me from rejection and brokenness and then called me his beloved son. He brought me out of poverty, mindset and lack and brought me into blessing and prosperity and abundance. He brings you out. He is doing this 24 7365. It's not a one-off event. So I want you to know today, the anointing that you sit under is an anointing that brings you out of, but it doesn't just bring you out of, it brings you into. Have a look at this. This is in, in uh, the book of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham and he says to Abraham, Genesis 12 verse 1, he says, Abraham, Abraham, Get out of your tent, get out of your father's house, away from your family, away from your culture, and I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. So Abraham knew what he was leaving. He just didn't know what he was entering into. God says, I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. So right now, if he's got his passport and he doesn't know where he's going, he just knows he's got to get out of that. Some of you today, you just got to make a decision, get out of, well, how's it going to look? I don't know. When I left engineering, I, I, knew, I knew that God was calling me to go to Bible college. I knew that God was calling me to ministry. I knew that God, but if I had to explain it to people, I couldn't explain it. 
When I try to say to my parents, this is what I feel, God, my father lost his ever-loving mind. It's like, I don't understand. Why would you leave engineering? You can make $150,000 a year. Why would you leave this to go to Bible college? And he thought I was crazy. And honestly, my, my friends were trying to say, hey, listen, why would you leave the comfort and the security of a guaranteed income? And you can see your trajectory. You can climb the, the, the ladder and you can, and, and sure, there was security there, but there wasn't destiny there. There was security there, but, but I felt a calling like, no, I, I, I tolerate this, but I feel like God wired me for something greater. But I had to, I had to leave what I was familiar. I had to leave what was secure. I had to leave. There's a saying, and, and kick it out of your vocabulary. Well, better the devil you know. Don't live with the devil. Why are you cohabiting? Why, 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 are, you, why are you roommates with the devil? Kick the devil freaking to the curb. Let him have your old life. Let him have your old sins. Let him have what was familiar. Step out of there. It'll always require risk. When, when Christian Virilli worked for a wonderful construction company, but a day came where Christian thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm working for another man and I'm serving another man. And this man was a, was a really great construction guy, but would often send Chris to, you know, to handle an entire project by himself. And then one day Chris thought, you know, I feel God telling me to step out and start my own construction. But people around him were like, well, hang on, you need capital to do that. And, and you know, there's a whole, you've got to file an LLC, you've got to do all this kind of stuff. And it would have been easy for Christian just to, just to say he had, a, he had a secure job. He was, he's, he's, he's a brilliant construction guy. He, he's got great skill. He's got integrity. He's punctual. He could have just stayed there and been a great number two. But, but he stepped out of what was familiar. He didn't know what it was going to look like. There were no guarantees. There were no guarantees he was going to win contracts or, you know, outbid the other or, or have. There were, there were no guarantees he was going to be able to make payroll month after month. But he stepped out of what was familiar into the unknown. God says to Abraham, I want you to get out of everything that you've known and I want you to go to a place that I haven't even explained it. I haven't even given you the details yet. That's how I know God's a boy. He doesn't do details. He just tells you a big picture. And he says, I want you to go there. And he says, and then I'll make of you a great nation. Can I tell you what makes you great is faith. Because if God says, and this is where you're going, here's a postcard, Cancun, surprise. You know, you don't need any faith. So God says, I want you to step out of that and go into this. And you're like, well, hang on. Where am I going? Not telling. Oh, how can I go somewhere where you're not telling? Trust. Faith is spelled T-R-U-S-T. God says, get out of there and I will make of you a great nation. When we left Sydney to come to San Diego, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't know where we were going to live. Uh, you know, I was... I, trying to figure things out on a map, I, I said to Leanne, wow, look, Alpine. It's, it's, it's in San Diego, but look how inexpensive it is. And then, you know, my wife did a little bit of research and she said, do you know how far that is from the coast? I'm like, oh, wow, it doesn't look like it on this little map that I found. I just saw that the homes were a little bit, more, little bit cheaper and more affordable there. And I didn't know where we were going to live. I didn't know how it was going to but what I do understand is he's a God that takes you out of and he can't explain to you what he's bringing you into. He wants you to trust him. But I guarantee you everything that I've left that was familiar. One of the biggest battles for people with addiction is leaving what is familiar, is leaving 
we had a son who struggled and the only way he got free was we had to actually erase his contacts and change his phone number because he got free chemically he got free from the substance and his body craving it but because he never broke away from the connections to his past we found that he slipped right back into it because it was the same circles it was the same friends it was the same your friendships and your relationships and your familiar they say, show me your friends and I'll tell you your future. Sometimes there are just some people, there are some connections that aren't good for you. They're holding back what God wants to do. God wants to get you out of and he wants to bring you into something awesome. Can somebody say amen? So God says to him, I want you to get out of this. I want you to get out of. Joseph was brought out of, out of the prison into the palace. David was brought, David experienced the delivery of God. They, they bring him into the palace and, and Saul looks at David and says, oh my gosh, I heard a report that there was one man, one man in my entire army willing to go and fight this champion of Gath, this nine foot, nine inch tall, undefeated champion. And now I see you, little 15, 16 year old, little shepherd boy. He says, listen, let me just explain something, son. He's been a man of war from his youth, and you're just a youth. Like your voice is only just broken. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> He's like, you got acne all over you. Let's get him some acne cream, and you just. David says, pardon me, Lord. He says, let me just say to you, sire, that your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear would come after the sheep, I'd protect the sheep by going after the lion and going after the bear and delivering the lamb from its mouth. One time, a bear came and grabbed one of the lambs and I struck it. It spat out the lamb and rose up against me. So I grabbed it by its beard and I struck and I killed the bear. He says, I want you to know the same God who delivered me who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear is not a eventful God. He's a perpetual God. He's a God that continually delivers. He's a, a God that continually rescues. He's a God that continually is transforming. He takes me out. He took me out of harm's way and into victory over the bear. Let me just tell you, king, the same God that delivered me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will be the same God that delivers me from Goliath. Now, how many people know that you can kind of talk a little bit brave when you're in the locker room with the boys or when you're in the throne room of the king? Oh, king, you know, I got this. I can, I can do this. And, uh, but, but if you watch David, they put him into the valley. They put him into the battlefield and Goliath looks at him and David doesn't have any armor. Remember, he tried to walk in Saul's armor. He goes, man, I can't walk in. So he took him off. And he says, I just got to, I just got to go in as me. And so he puts on his shepherd cloak. He has no shield, no helmet, no armor. He has his shepherd's cloak, five smooth stones in his little shepherd pouch and a sling. That's it. And when Goliath looks and sees someone coming into the battle and hears the, the, the Israelites roaring because finally they got a volunteer, he, he, he's looking. He goes, am I a dog? Did you come to me with stick? Now I have to do Russian because I can't do Philistine. I don't want the. So if you're Russian, please forgive me. Dobra You are most welcome here. I'm just, just go with me. 
In my dog that you come to me with stick. And poor little, little David's like, oh man, I forgot to bring a stick. He didn't even have a stick. He just got five smooth stones in a shepherd's pouch and a sling. And Goliath looks at him, the Bible says, and come to me, boy. I will feed your carcass to beasts of field and your flesh to the birds of the air. And he cursed David by his gods. David looks at Goliath and says, you come against me with your sword, your spear, and your javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts means the God of heaven's armies or the God of angel armies whom you have defied. And this day, my God will deliver. Come on, somebody say, deliver. This day, my God will deliver you into my hands and I will take your head from your carcass and I'll feed your carcass to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air so the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. See, what David knew was that God, was, God is not just a God who delivers you once and then just says, try better. He delivers and he delivers and he delivers. He says, the same God that delivered me from the lion is the same God that delivered me from the bear. He's the same God who's going to deliver me today. That same God delivered him from the sheepfolds to the power. That same God delivered him in battle again and again and again. That same God delivered him from the Philistines, delivered him from the Amalekites. The same God, he's a God of deliverance. Let me tell you what God doesn't do. God doesn't just save you and then just say, try harder. He doesn't just save you and say, come on, make better choices. He saves you and then he commits himself to you to get you into your blessing, to get you into your breakthrough, to get you into your promised land, to get you into his goodness, to get you into his peace to get you into his healing he doesn't just save you from he gets us from but he takes us into he does the full thing can somebody say amen Amen. number two number two from confinement to flowing from confinement to flowing exodus chapter 3 18 uh, sorry verse 8 and then verse 17 exodus chapter 3 verse 8 and verse 17 we're going to read these two verses God says, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land. Everyone say large land. To a good and large land. To a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Marmites, Mozzibites, Vegemites, and all the otherites. Now go down to verse 17. And God says, And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing, flowing with milk and honey. I want you to know the word for Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim literally in the Hebrew translation is confined space, confined place. It it also means double siege and double distress. If your shoelace keeps coming undone, sometimes you'll tie a a double knot, a double knot to, 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 to make sure it doesn't come undone. 
Egypt wasn't just a place of siege. A siege is a military where they cut off your supply, where they cut off escape routes, they cut off entry, where they, is a siege. Egypt, Mitzrayim, means double siege. There's a double knot to make it twice as impossible to get out. It's not just distress, it's double distress. It's a confined place. Do you know what confined means? Means limited choices. Limited choices. What's the difference between poor and rich? The poor has few choices. A rich person can choose anywhere to eat, but a poor person has to make sure that they, they budget. They, they can only go to these places. A rich person can shop anywhere. A poor person has to. A rich person can fly anywhere. A poor person has to. The difference between poverty and wealth is the confinement of choices. God says, I'm going to take you out of confinement. I'm going to take you out of limited. I'm going to take you out of double siege and double distress to a good and large land. Why did God put large in there? Because he's trying to get a confinement mentality out of them. I'm going to take you to a land that is wide. It is broad and has depth. And it is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. He doesn't say it's a land that has plenty of bread and plenty of water. Bread and water are survival. God is not saying I'm going to take you out of Egypt and out of slavery and out of your drug addiction and out of your alcohol addiction and out of your gambling addiction and out of your sex addiction and out of your anger and out of your animosity and out of your depression. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to, you know, you're going to forever have a testimony. I used to be this and I used to be that. But you know what? Now I'm kind of surviving. You know, just day by day, Pastor. Just day by day, DJ. You know, week by week. No, 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 that's not God. God didn't say I'm going to take you to a place where there's bread and water. He says bread and water. That's going to be ample. He says that's just the beginning. Where I'm taking you is a land that is flowing, not just possessing. It is flowing. There's an endless flow. A flow means that there's enough that when you drink today, it's going to keep flowing. When you eat today, it's going to keep a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey isn't survival, it's thrival. God wants, you to, God wants to deliver you from a survival mentality and bring you into a thrival mentality. You are the head and not the tail. Above only, not beneath. You are blessed going in. You are blessed coming out. Blessed in the country. You are blessed to be a blessing, God said to Abraham. I'm going to bless you and you'll be a blessing. Instead of confinement where you're, you're struggling just to pay your bills and pay the rising gas prices and pay the rising energy prices and all the crazy that's going on against this. No, no, no. I'm bringing you out of bondage. I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I'm bringing you out of confinement into a good and large land flowing with milk and honey. When you bring your tithe, you release the flow. That's why God says, when you bring the tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out. When I pour something, it is flowing. If I pour water, the water is flowing. If I pour oil, the oil is whatever you pour flows. God says you unlock a flow when you begin to operate in obedience and the flow from heaven can't be taxed by Biden. It can't be stopped by corrupt governments. The World Economic Forum wants to get their hands on it, but they can't. You don't have to live subject to the economy. Let me just say this, you know, all the naysayers and everything that's going on, they're saying that there's a recession and absolutely, America is being attacked from within. 
Biden did not win 81 million votes. Dear Jesus. No one turned up to any of his events. He was installed to cripple America from the inside. And he's doing everything that they're telling him to do. However, however, I had a dream. I was very concerned. I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw these kings and they were billionaires. And they're all gathering around. And it was America. And they're all gathering around laughing that they could with their money like uh, Zuckerberg put 450 million into the swing states so that the people who looked the other way and counted ballots up to a dozen times for Biden left millionaires. He put 450 million in there. People that, that helped foster the mules left as millionaires. I had a, in this dream, I saw these, all these kings, all these billionaires laughing, saying they were going to, they had all this wealth. They were the wealthiest people in the world and they were going to bring down America. And then I saw them in the dream, I saw them pour out their, their millions and I watched the ground just swallow the money and it didn't even make a dent and they went like that. They're not going to be, they're trying everything they have, every trick in their book, but I'm telling you, the spirit and the blessing that is on America is greater. I say all of that to say to you, don't be alarmed. Let me just give you another prophetic word. Just, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. I give you permission to not participate in the current recession. I'll give you permission to opt out. You, you, they will try and tell you, hey, it's a recession. You got to just, no, nah, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit this one out. You won't be the last corrupt jack, uh, jack, <clears throat> Uh, Jack, assets in asthmatics. You won't be the last Jack asthmatics in office that will corrupt, that will be greedy, that will, you, there won't be, there'll be, there'll be, there'll, there'll be another one. Just say, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll catch the next one. And even then, just, I'll just give you permission to opt out. When we, 2008, when the recession hit, they, they told me what I should and shouldn't be doing. And I felt God just say, absolutely. If you take your cues from the experts in the world saying that you'll get a world result. Or, or you can lift your eyes and see Isaiah 6 verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Uzziah was a magnificent godly king. In the year that a godly leadership over a land died, he says, I saw the Lord. The next king was an ungodly king. God showed Isaiah, hey, 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 White House may be corrupt right now, but lift your eyes a little higher. He says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. And the angel said, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with the glory of God. What he saw was chaos and mourning and a wicked administration coming in, in the natural. But when he lifted his eyes, he saw a God who's seated on the throne. Can I just tell you, you don't have to. The recession is for the people without God. 
the, 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 the difficulty and the loss is for the people without God. There's a transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous, or literally from the faithless to the faithful, from the disobedient to the obedient, from the fearful to the courageous. It's coming your way. Don't take your cues from the world. You take your cues from God. If you take your cues from the world, you'll get a world result. I don't want to live with a world result. They told me in 2020, why are you buying Salt Lake City? You, you, can't, you shouldn't buy. And you're opening a campus. Why would you open a campus in San Marcos? A $16 million project blew out by 10. It's now a $26 million project because we had to replace the roof and the freaking walls and nothing was up to earthquake code. And then they said, okay, we just got to test one of the footings. Actually, you got to redo all the footing. I mean, it was just out of control. I had friends in Australia and friends in New Zealand, friends around the world saying, you're an idiot. Why would you open a campus for a congregation you don't have? You don't have a San Marcos location. No, we don't. We just have a, we just have a Carlsbad run. Well, why are you, are you selling, you're selling Bressy Ranch Carlsbad, right? No, God told me to keep it. Why would you keep it, you idiot? Why would you keep it? And, and I just knew God. I wasn't looking to the economist. I wasn't looking. If I look to the world, I get a world result. If I look to heaven, I get, I don't know about you, but I, life is too short to get my cues from the world and have world results. I want to have a God result, so I look to God. Come on, give God a great praise. If your eyes are going to be lifted to God and you're going to have a God result, I want to prophesy you don't have to participate in the recession. When people say, my God, how come you're flourishing? How come you're prospering? How come your business is thriving? How come you just bought another property? Are you kidding me? Just say, yeah, because I'm not taking my cues from the world and from the correct and from the illegitimate. I'm taking my cues from the Word of God and I'm getting Word of God. I'm getting Kingdom of God results. Can somebody say amen? amen. God takes you out of, into. Number three, God's always is the mantle upon you in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Have a look at this one. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God, who every now and again, sorry, now thanks be to God, who reluctantly, excuse me, sorry, sorry, what's wrong with my eyes? Now thanks be to God who, from time to time, now thanks be to God who, always. thanks be to God who, always. who always, are you kidding me? He, thanks be to God, who always leads us. Who's us? Us. In triumph. What is it to triumph? It means to win. It means to conquer. It means to overcome. So hang on. Thanks be to God, who always leads us, you and I, in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I want you to know whatever you're facing, whatever the diagnoses, whatever the prognoses, whatever the naysay, whatever the devil's saying about this addiction and it's a generational thing and your father was an alcoholic and your grandfather was an alcoholic and you'll never beat it. Poverty is a generational thing and you'll never get off disability pension. You'll ne never get off welfare. You'll never prosper. You'll never... Well, I want you to know that the Spirit, when you are born again, when you give your life to Christ, the Spirit, the Spirit that comes upon you, the hand that comes upon you is a hand of always. He always... He never says, well, you know, you gave it a good shot. Hey, at least you try... No, 
no, no, that's, that's not God. He always leads you to triumph. He doesn't lead you to second place. He doesn't lead you to, well, you know, you made it to the quarterfinals. He leads you to triumph in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, he has delivered you from the power of darkness. You don't need to let the devil dictate the terms of your life. The devil doesn't get to say where you live, how you live. The devil doesn't get to say how free you are. Jesus Christ delivered you from the kingdom of darkness, translated you to the kingdom of the son of his love. He has delivered you out of, and the spirit that is on you is the spirit that always... Have a look at one of my favorite Psalms, because if you think this is just a New Testament thing, it's in the Old Testament, Psalm 60, verse 7. 60, verse 7, this is awesome. God's speaking, he says, Gilead is mine and Manasseh too. But watch this. He says, Ephraim, my helmet. Ephraim, my helmet, produces my warriors. And Judah, my scepter, produces kings. Ephraim, my helmet, produces my warriors and Judah my scepter produces kings Jesus was of the lion of the tribe of Judah he was of the house of Judah he was from the house of praise Ephraim was the name of Joseph's son Joseph named his son he had two sons Manasseh 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 means God has caused me to forget all my affliction and all that everyone, I didn't just, I haven't just forgiven my brothers, but I've forgotten. That's a beautiful day. The pathway to forgetting what people have done wrong and abused you and took advantage of you, the pathway to forgetting is forgive. The Bible says that God forgives us of our trespasses and he remembers them no more. Most of us want to remember them no more, then we'll forgive. We want to forget the pain and then we forgive. Sweetheart, it's the other way around. You have to forgive the person, and then you'll find you get to a manasha. You'll get to a place where you forget. But watch this. Ephraim means fruitful in a foreign land. Fruitful in a foreign land. When we came to San Diego, I didn't realize this. I hadn't read that scripture. I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit was already impregnating my mind putting the helmet of Ephraim on my head, that I'd never been to San Diego, never seen San Diego, but I, I carried in my spirit just this, this conviction that because we were saying yes to God, that, that I would be fruitful in this land. And when we landed here, the locals tried to tell me how San Diego was a preacher's graveyard and how there's no zoning in San Diego for, for churches to so just give up. And even if you could get a, a, a zoning, a, a conditional use permit, a CUP, well, it's the fifth fifth most expensive city in San Diego and 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 you know to buy a, a building you just just be content, you know content to rent and then they said hey and whatever you do don't talk about money because as soon as you talk about money people will leave this is southern california people are materialistic here and and so they gave, the, the locals gave me all but i i didn't i didn't listen to the locals cuz i was wearing a helmet you know what a helmet does is it protects your head it protects your thoughts so so the, the thought of my head the thought of my head wasn't God was bringing us to San Diego to struggle. He wasn't bringing us to San Diego to just kind of eke our way by and cross our fingers and hope we make it. I was 
coming to San Diego with Ephraim as my helmet. Ephraim means that I'm going to be fruitful in a foreign land. Can I just tell you, there are no guarantees. When you say yes at the altar, when you exchange vows at the altar, you've never been married before, but I want you to know you're going to be fruitful in something that is foreign. When you launch out and start a business, you're like, I don't even know how this is going to go. But I'm telling you, God, the anointing, the Ephraim, the warrior, it says you can be fruitful in a foreign land. I don't know what it's like to, to, to get off disability. I don't know what it's like to get off welfare. My father, my grandfather, it's been a generational thing. I don't know what it's like to go it alone. I don't know what it's like to, but I'm telling you, the Ephraim anointing is what produces warriors. When I realize that God wants me to be fruitful in a foreign land, every time a devil tried to put a hindrance, every time the devil tried to put a ceiling, every time the devil tried to put obstacles and roadblocks, I knew I could go after the devil because I had an Ephraim helmet. I could take down the devil. I could bind the devil. I could command the resources and the blessings and the buildings, the height, the depth. We began to drive through San Diego, believing for campuses. I'm living in a dream, but I'm telling you something. And listen, leadership is going first. The, 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 the apostle is, is the one who goes first. He's the one who goes first. He, he pierces, he, he breaks it. When you f- see geese, they fly in a V formation and they regularly change who's in the lead because the person in the lead is the one who's breaking, breaking the wind, breaking the resistance. And because of him, the, 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 the geese behind in a V formation fly with a, a massive reduction in the resistance. I want you to know just... As Pastor Michael so brilliantly talked about, you know, eight campuses, Coronado, nine. There's an anointing on this house. My job is to go first, but I want you to know that God doesn't love me more than He loves you. God is no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of principles. There's an anointing, and it's an always anointing. And the always anointing is your Ephraim. I want you to begin to see yourself fruitful in a foreign land. When Joseph was in Egypt, he was treated as a second-rate citizen. The Bible says the Egyptians would not eat with the Hebrews. They wouldn't even break bread. with. They wouldn't even sit at the same table. They despised Joseph. They despised his, his people. They despised the Hebrew people. And yet despite all of that, he rose and became prince. Then the Bible says Judah. Judah means praise. He says, Judah is my scepter. You know what a scepter is? A scepter is something a king holds that says he has authority to rule over the territory. When you begin to praise, now listen, you may get a negative report from the doctors. They may say you got a week to live. If you, if you get the report, you got two choices. Number one, you can go to self-pity. Self-pity will absolutely garner the sympathy of men. Or you can go to praise. You can begin to praise God and... And when you praise God, you get the power of God. You get the power of heaven because the Bible says that God inhabits, dwells within the praises of his people. So the devil wants you to go to self-pity. Woe is you, you're gonna, and you're going to get sympathy. But I'd rather go over here into a realm of praise where I just begin to praise God that the, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God got you out of Egypt. Now, you may be right now saying, well, we haven't made it into the promised land yet. You know, we got out of debt and we got out of camp. 
cancer and we got out of barrenness. But you know what? We've, we've had miscarriages and, and the, this cancer, this tumor just doesn't seem to be shrinking. We're at a Red Sea. Guess what? The God that you and I serve is a God of always leading in a triumph. The Red Sea is just an obstacle. It's a moment. It's a lesson. It's a development in your faith because the same God that parted the Red Sea 4,000 years ago is the same God that can still part the Red Sea. He's the God that can still open the eyes of the blind. He's a God that can still heal the heal the tumor, drive it out of your body. He's a God that can still put a baby in where it's been barren. He's a God of miracles and He's a God of breakthrough. He's a God of breakthrough. In fact, stand to your feet. I'm going to land this. I want you to just turn your palms towards heaven. Listen to this revelation that God showed me this week as I was putting this together. When, when, when I finished Bible college, they sent me to Manukau City, New Zealand. Manukau City. I, I kind of felt like I got the short end of the stick, really. One of my friends went to Canada, which was exotic, and another friend went to this city, which was awesome. I get Manukau City. Now, New Zealand is stunning, but Manukau is the poorest city in New Zealand. It has the highest crime. The year I moved there, it, it was second only to Johannesburg for crime in the Southern Hemisphere. The day I arrived, the front page of the paper had that there was a war, uh, 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 there was a, a gang war between the Samoans and the Tongans in the shopping mall where they had machetes and knives and one guy was decapitated, another guy lost his arm. And I'm like, dear God, there was graffiti everywhere, crime everywhere. True story, first week we were there, I, I was learning to do washing and we have clotheslines in Australia. We don't, we didn't have, uh, in New Zealand, we don't have dryers. So I hung my underwear out to dry on the clothesline. I come back the next morning and someone had stole. What kind of people steal someone else's underwear? I mean, ooh. Welcome to Manukau City. So I was a little bit ticked with God. I'm like, God, what the? Why would you send me to this poor, oppressed, desolate place? And he didn't give me an answer. I didn't get the answer till after I left. And I, I realized what it was. The Holy Spirit said, I had to put you there because it was an external reflection and a mirror to how you think at that time. I put you in poverty because you had a poverty mentality. I put you into lack because you had a lack mentality. And he says, and I did that intentionally to see whether you would say, I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like, talking to one of our border agents, the coyotes and the cartels find poor women to pretend that they're mamas, to pretend that they're mothers, to sign that their child is able to go with these people. They do it because they're poor and they need money. This little boy and this little girl is now going to be traded in sex slavery where perverted men do perverted things. Don't you ever freaking tell me that poverty is a good thing. Poverty is a curse. If you go to, to Asia, there are poor families that sell their little, little daughters into the, the sex slave industry because of poverty. And I had to come to a place where I saw nothing good with poverty. 
I saw nothing good. And then I realized it wasn't out there. It was in here. But then I discovered in the scripture that he's the same God that delivered me from drugs. He's the same God that delivered me from alcohol. He's the same God that delivered me from self-centeredness. He's the same God that delivered me from a poverty mentality to an abundance and prosperity mentality. He's the same God that delivered me. You may say, well, you don't understand what men have done. You don't understand the circumstance. You don't understand how people have been cruel. Joseph, Joseph was the son of Jacob. Jacob had how many sons? Twelve sons. Twelve sons. He had twelve sons. In a, in a house in Israel, in a house in Hebrew, it, in fact, it's all the way through the Middle East, the eldest son is the heir of the father's estate. Who was the firstborn of, of Jacob? Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn. Simeon was the second. Levi was the third. Judah was, what number was Joseph? Eleven. Eleven. Yet Joseph was the one who wore a princely tunic of many colors so that the brothers despised him. Why? Because Joseph was the son of Rachel. Rachel was the promised one. Rachel was the one that Jacob said, I will serve seven years for Rachel. But on the wedding night, a switch was made. Deception entered in. Corruption entered in. Illegitimacy entered in. And Leah was put forward. Leah produces. Rachel was barren. Bilhah produces. Zilpah produces. All the way up to 10 kids. But the 11th son was the firstborn Firstborn of Rachel, who was the original. Man may have messed everything up, but watch this. Joseph rose in his house as a prince, so his brothers were jealous of him, so they wanted to kill him, so they throw him into a pit. But he rose out of the pit where they sold him into slavery. They took him down thinking this will fix him. He has chains, and now there's a contract that says you are chattel. You are a possession of Potiphar, chief executioner. He goes into the house as a slave, but the Bible says the Lord was with him. The spirit of always triumph was on him, and he rose so that when Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, he says, sweetheart, just time out. Your husband has put everything in the house, inside and outside, under my care. There is nobody greater in this house than your husband. You are not put under my care because you are his wife. How could I sin against your husband and sin against you? Well, she cries, for, he ends up in prison. Now he's in prison. Surely, surely it's over. But even in the prison, even with false accusation, even with a felony, with a conviction of attempted rape in a prison, you would say, well, God's power, pastor, won't work anymore. It may have worked in slavery, but it's not going to work in the prison, the Bible says. And the Lord was with Joseph. The spirit of always, the spirit of always was on Joseph so that he rose so much so that the Bible says that the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. In fact, he put him over the king's personal prison because he had nobody like Joseph. Everywhere Joseph was, he rose. He rose from the prison. He rose to the palace. He doesn't just enter a palace with a paid position. He enters a palace and he becomes the prince of Egypt so much so that Pharaoh puts everything in the kingdom under Joseph. There was nothing that he looked into because 
because he put it under Joseph because the anointing, the, the, the man, Laban tried, to, Laban tried to sabotage. Laban used deception. Joseph was born number 11 in man's economy, but he wasn't looking to man's economy. He knew that Jacob had worked for Rachel and he was the firstborn of Rachel. He was the heir. Now watch this. Joseph had a little brother who was number 12. What was his name? Benjamin. The Bible says that the first will be last. And the last will be first. He was the last child of Jacob. Years later, Israel would have a king. Israel would have a king, Saul. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the last born. But in God's economy, the, last, the first king of Israel will come from what the world has overlooked, what the world has oppressed, what the world has ripped off, what the world has robbed. I want you to know there is a God with the spirit of always in Christ Jesus. The question is, are you in Christ Jesus? If you are in Christ Jesus, you're not just coming out of, you're going into your best days. You're not just coming out of addiction. You're going into your greatest freedom. You're not just coming out of lack and confinement and poverty. You're coming into blessing. You're coming into breakthrough. You're coming into abundance. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing I thank you for the power of God resting on these people. I thank you for transformation. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that there are people saying, no, 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 you don't understand. El Cajon, East County, it's not as prosperous as La Jolla. Or to break that. I break that spirit. Do you think that God is limited to zip codes? The Lord your God is not limited to a zip code, to an area. Some of you, I hear the Holy Spirit saying there's some who say, well, you don't understand. I, I wasn't born with a trust fund. I wasn't born with a helping hand. I wasn't born. I inherited debt from my father, not wealth from my father. I want you to know that God does not need a helping hand. The Bible says in the beginning, God said, verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning, God said, let there be light. Boom, light was. He took another four days. It was the fourth day that he created the sun. There was no sun when God said, let there be light, but there was light because God is trying to get it through our thick skulls. He don't need no help when he says something. He don't need no help when his word goes forth. You don't need to come from wealth. You don't need to come from abundance. You don't need to come from an inheritance. Your God is your breakthrough. Your God is your inheritance. Your God is your deliverer. Your God is the one who delivers you out of and brings you into if you believe it, say yeah and give the Lord a praise. Come on, say yeah, yeah, yeah. Give God a praise. Come on. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages information about upcoming events and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.